0: You're listening to a podcast series from Vietcetera Production. Vietnam is forecasted to be one of the fastest growing economies in Southeast Asia and the world. To understand the dynamics behind Vietnam's miracle growth, Vietcetera meets with business leaders every week to discuss the country's future growth prospects. We also learn about how they build and manage teams and why they think innovation will be key to Vietnam's role in the world order. Good morning, everybody. It's your host, Howe here. In today's episode of Vietnam Innovators, we'll be meeting the founder of Monmo, a super fast growing bike tech company founded by Jack O'Sullivan. At 16, Jack got his first start in the bike industry with his first brand, Vital Fixies. Four years later, he founded Monmo, now headquartered in Ho Chi Minh City. From Dublin, an Asian sourcing trip led him to Vietnam, and a partnership was formed with a state of the art motorbike factory here in Ho Chi Minh City. Two years of development later, Monmo introduced its flagship model, codenamed Saigon, designed to be elegant on the outside and smart on the inside. Here in Vietnam, Jack is leading the team to design, develop, and manufacture their bikes to a quality never seen before in the bike industry, and because the assembly operation is here, he oversees the preparation of the first batch of bikes for shipping to their owners. In fact, the first batch of orders have been packed and on their way to Germany. Here with us today is Jack O'Sullivan to share with us the exciting first release and his vision of creating the bike that would replace cars. But before we begin, we'd also like to extend a big thanks to our sponsors, health tech startup GeoHealth. GeoHealth is known for their innovative products and services to improve the healthcare system in Vietnam. Drop by a visit to one of their new smart clinics at M Plaza in Ho Chi Minh City for the latest or download their mobile apps on the App Store or Google Play for more. What's up, guys? It's your host, Hao Tran here, the CEO of Vietcetra, and of course, your ever-present host for the Vietnam Innovators English Edition. Of course, for those of you that are listening that may not be aware, we have a Vietnamese edition recently released that's hosted by our Chief Operating Officer, Ruby Nguyen, and that one's in Vietnamese language, so do look out for that one. Of course, uh, this is our English edition, and we're welcoming guests from all around the world that happen to live here in Vietnam and are innovating in their industries. doesn't have to necessarily be just technology. We've inv- uh, kind of interviewed people in banking and financial services, uh, design. And of course, today we're focused on a very interesting story that uh, originated elsewhere, but it has kind of found its roots and is at scale here in Vietnam or about to be at scale and we'll let him explain himself. His name is Jack O'Sullivan. He's the co-founder, founder, CEO of Modmo. Um, it's an electric bike company. Um, I'll kind of l- let him fill in the blanks himself. Um, Jack, welcome to the show today, this afternoon, to the radio room as well here in Ho Chi Minh City. Welcome.
1: Yeah, thanks very much for having me. Glad to be back and on the podcast.
0: Yes, and it's uh, it's been probably a year or two since uh, Jack and I first met. Yeah. Um, maybe, a, no. Yeah, a year since we first met, and I probably saw you probably three or four months ago, but it's always at these events and other things. So, you know, we haven't uh, caught up necessarily too much about each other's businesses. So, today is an opportunity to do that. Um, I'm just going to jump into today's kind of questions. I've got a number that I've created myself, but also some from our readership, which I'll also share with you. Cool. Um, we recorded their questions and we'll be playing them in a little bit. Um, the first question, kind of nice and tight for you is is why Vietnam and, and why now?
1: Yeah, so originally what attracted me here was the free trade agreements with Europe. You know, like traditionally, all the bike manufacturing is in China and Taiwan, mm. but they had pretty hefty tariffs for importing into Europe. So I saw the European-Vietnam free trade agreement was in discussions and basically came here to check out a factory, like loved it and decided to go all in on Vietnam and then... Yeah, luckily, about a year ago, I guess, that was ratified and yeah came into effect. So I guess that's what brought me here. But then it was the people that I met that kept me here. Like uh, coming here was just to find a factory where we could outsource our production. And then I really liked Vietnam. And I was mm-hmm. like, hey, I'd rather live here than living back in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, extended a holiday and then hired my first guy part time like he's now our, our lead engineer and probably has a team of yeah ten or fifteen people now, so yeah we've been able to find a lot of great talent here and like build the entire business around it. So,
0: so when you when you first came here, you were imagining okay we'll build a production team in Vietnam a factory, and uh, or find a factory partner I guess and then you would go back to Ireland which is where your sales and marketing and branding efforts are but now everything's here yeah the entire team yeah. or most of the team.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I guess COVID has been a big part of that, right? Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. it would have been difficult to move home after seeing like how the two different countries manage things. Um, It's been like
0: a year now for you, a little more than that?
1: Yeah, I think it's been like exactly a year since we launched. Mm -hmm. So we have this kind of crazy story that it was, we didn't really start the business with a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Um, And we basically had this 3D render. We put it out and we got some media features like including the etc., And like, yeah, basically all this German media started featuring us and we got a lot of pre-sales on our bike and we've been able to build the entire product and a team of like 25 people now here in Vietnam. Mm. So it's kind of wasn't, we never had this like great big business plan that nailed all this stuff down, but Mm -hmm. it just happened organically.
0: And maybe you can talk about that free trade agreement thing too and Uh, of the diplomatic community that's listening to this, they're probably very pleased that you're (laughs) mentioning it today. Um, You mentioned that the tariffs are much friendlier than Taiwan or or China or probably other parts in the world. Maybe you can paint a picture of what that looks like exactly. Are you paying 0% tax when you're exporting? Is it 2%, is it 5%? And what is the difference in cost when you compare it to other manufacturing hubs uh, Mm. around the world.
1: Yeah. So I guess don't quote me on this because the tariffs change a lot. Yes. And it depends on several factors. But um, so previously when we'd imported from China, we were paying like a 68 percent tariff on bikes. Mm. Taiwan was then 15 percent and Vietnam, anywhere between like two and a half and six percent at the moment. Mm. And that will go down to zero over the next couple of years. Wow.
0: And that covers Europe.
1: Yeah. Okay. yeah, but there's 17 free trade agreements that Vietnam's part of. Mm. So countries like Canada, Mexico, um, Australia, y- quite a few. And I think, is there some talks for the US? I know like mm-hmm. e-bikes have some um, exemptions in some countries. So mm. yeah, it's just like, it's hard to compete with a better country for producing e-bikes in terms of like tariffs. Excellent.
0: And you guys are selling mostly into Europe, but you have global ambitions,
1: it sounds like. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, cool. I think. 95% of our sales are into Europe at the moment.
0: Excellent. And and we'll hear more about those kind of sales figures and, and what the strategy is a little bit later in this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, my next question for you is, is the assumptions you made. Obviously, you're doing a lot of research and you've identified Vietnam as capable of manufacturing these bikes, at least uh, on paper mm-hmm. or in the phone calls you've had, as well as having these uh, very friendly tariff agreements. Um, what were some assumptions you made before arriving or even other milestones, such as like going into mass production, uh, that you made that you found later to be correct or incorrect?
1: Yeah. So I guess with most of the bikes traditionally made in China or Taiwan, it's really easy to find parts there. You can go, you can just find factories by like Google or Alibaba or stuff like that. Mm. You search searching like bike tire and you've got a list of them to go through. Yeah. Not the same in Vietnam. Mm. And basically, We found through, like, the year that all those factories are there, but they're not, like, listed anywhere. The only way to find them is through, like, contacts Mm. and going to events and, like, people just mentioning it to you. Really, like, so, like, I think one of the best things Chinese manufacturing is going for it is Alibaba, right? Mm -hmm. Which is this global trading website, and you can literally find anything there. Vietnam doesn't have that.
0: Does it? I mean, that was when you first were researching about the market. Has it changed since then? There's still no marketplace or database or anything like no. that? Okay. Interesting. So we're yeah.
1: still like, even what we look at is like the export certificates, right? So which companies are exporting, say, electric bike batteries? And our guys were researching that and they couldn't find anything. And then it's just over time, these big factories reach out to us. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, you guys are just down the road? Like, we never knew that, which is kind of crazy why do
0: you think that's never been the case do people like to hide their suppliers they don't want Uh, to be too sherry yeah i mean like
1: brands definitely hide their suppliers but Mm. a lot of these big high-tech factories are set up by their chinese or taiwanese Mm. parent companies and they don't advertise that that they're manufacturing in vietnam it's it's almost like a
0: subcontractor or something like that exactly That's exactly it. Is there an, an emergence of Vietnamese manufacturers that are not tied to those? Though I'm sure there are, but yeah. maybe there's not enough.
1: Maybe yeah, that's it. And like a lot of these factories need like huge investments, mm. which I think, whereas Vietnam is lacking a little bit.
0: Is that going to change with the free trade agreement and the the surgen- resurgence of not resurgence, but s- rather emergence of um, people moving manufacturing to Vietnam? Do you think? It's for sure. Happen. Yep. And that's why these
1: Chinese companies are here. Cool. Literally because of say the tariffs that Trump imposed on them, they mm-hmm. set up here really quickly. And like even more so, that will happen with these European manufacturers. They'll set up here in Vietnam. Interesting. So we've been like very lucky to get in early to Vietnam mm-hmm. and being able to work with these like huge factories that are producing for the top automotive brands in the world, yet they're willing to work with us because you know, e-bikes represents like a new and growing division, mm. but we're not competing with, say, Trek or Specialized, these big conglomerate e-bike brands. Mm. You know, so
0: fascinating. Yeah, great. Well, I don't know if you actually noticed, but I was—we uh, make a habit of sharing to our listeners and our our readers on Vietcetera that, oh, hey, we're expecting these guests on the show. Um, I shared on my LinkedIn and a few others. And we got a huge response from our readership base, especially those not just from within Vietnam, but outside. And we've got a number of those questions that we're going to share with you today. We've got, I think, 50,
1: right? Uh, but <laughs> we're only sharing
0: two because today's podcast is only about 45 minutes. We're going to play the first one here.
1: Hi, Jack. Uh, looking ahead, what are some initiatives that ModMo is focusing on aside from ramping up production?
0: So that's a pretty broad question. I'll let you kind of interpret it yourself. Um, but we'd love to hear what's the future hold for Monmo.
1: Yeah, so I think two different sides of that. One would be our like sustainable manufacturing. Um, one thing we implemented pretty early was that we asked our suppliers to never ship us any products in single-use plastics. So according to like this year's production forecast, that would uh, create about 50,000 plastic bags per month. And we designed reusable packaging that we just send to our suppliers and they ship us out the product in, just kind of keeps going in a loop. So, you know, that actually has a huge effect on like what's being produced and it's pretty easy ch- change for us to make. And um, another thing we're working on is like tech development. And hmm. uh, I'm pretty sure we could like build a rocket ship in our company these days mm-hmm. with the amount of like engineers. And um, it's like pretty impressive, the stuff we can do in-house now. So we've got some like pretty cool products that you've definitely never seen on a bicycle before, uh, coming out on our bike soon. So without going into too much detail, yeah, um, yeah, we're really gonna be like a bike tech company rather than just making bikes. Fascinating. And
0: uh, that talent that you keep referencing to, Mm -hmm. you're obviously very proud of the team
1: you've built. Um,
0: Are they all Vietnamese? Are they, for the most part, at least? Yeah, Yeah, exactly,
1: Um, 95% Vietnamese. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a lot of hidden talent here, you Mm -hmm. know, especially when it comes to, like, developers. Are are
0: they younger? Are they older? Like, tell us about the backgrounds maybe a little bit.
1: Yeah, pretty young. I mean, a lot of them working for, like, these IoT companies and, say, like, some of the Vietnamese kind of conglomerates, Mm -hmm. designing smartphones or Mm. uh, electric motorbikes. So, yeah, I guess some of them have left their current jobs because they feel like they're lost in these big companies and Mm -hmm. would rather have a more direct impact here Mm because... You know, um, we don't take too long to make decisions, and mm-hmm. we're, you know, usually moving pretty quick. So I guess, yeah, I think it's worked really well. Mm-hmm. I've always put an emphasis on people who are, you know, ambitious rather than people who have big backgrounds. Because mm-hmm. I'm sure you know, in a startup, a lot of it is like, how much can you get done in this very short amount of time? And mm-hmm. going home at six p.m. doesn't work, mm-hmm. especially when you're working to these deadlines. So that's um, yeah, worked out well.
0: Excellent. That's great to hear. Um, We have a second reader question that we're going to play now. Um, So our producer is going to
1: show it. Hi, Jack. I have a question for you. Is the domestic market a focus for you at all or why or why not?
0: You know, you talk about exports and the free trade agreement. Obviously, you guys are in a good position to capitalize on that, not just for taxes, but the consumer base just Mm -hmm. knows what electric bikes are all about. Vietnam, uh, maybe you can share a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, we definitely see big potential in the market here. I don't think it's as developed as, like, Europe, because people generally cycle everywhere in Europe. Um, But, like, we do see a huge amount of interest, and we've been in discussions for quite a while now with a large uh, motorbike distributor here in Vietnam. Mm -hmm. So, I can't share details just yet, but you can expect there to be ModMo showrooms in Saigon, Da Nang, Hanoi. Um, And certainly like delivering anywhere throughout the country, like pretty soon. Mm. Um, But again, it's a slightly different market to what we're used to. We we just communicated in English. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be starting separate channels to work directly with the Vietnamese. Uh, We've started doing things like test ride events, um, which we hope to run monthly from our office in Thao Dien. Um, yeah, just like roadshows and stuff like, mm-hmm. you know, the team really love getting involved with the like direct communication with their customers, mm-hmm. which they don't usually get. Yeah. And you get so much good product feedback from that, mm-hmm. as well as like building up the connections um, being able to bring suppliers in. Like for sure, Vietnam definitely has big potential.
0: And, and would you say that move to, 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 to open up and distribute in Vietnam, was that a move that you made because of COVID or was it something always on your roadmap? As in. When I say COVID, too, obviously you can't travel abroad, right? You can't go visit your customers in Europe unless you have a team over there already. Um, Was it more of a a reactive or more proactive kind of um, program Mm -hmm. that you put in place?
1: Yeah, I guess it certainly wasn't in the original roadmap, Mm -hmm. I guess, because I would have thought the price point was too high. Mm -hmm. You know, selling a bicycle for Mm $3,000 is a lot. Mm -hmm. You might see probably in the comments of this video, it's going to be like, Oh my god, that bike is so expensive. Mm. We get a lot of that, but then in real life, we can be out on the street, and some guys like, "Hey, I like that bike," and he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna buy one," and he'll mm. buy one on the spot. Mm. So there's certainly still a big market that like want them and can afford them, and you know, really want that lifestyle of you know riding electric bikes and stuff. So um, it's not going to be mass market. It's not mm-hmm. going to be for everyone, but yeah, people people do like them.
0: Excellent. Well, we're looking forward to more ModMo, hopefully bikes on the road in Saigon very soon. Um, So that kind of wraps up our our listener questions. We can't play too many. I've got more questions, so Mm -hmm. i I got to prioritize myself a little bit here. Um, My next question for you, Jack, is um, you you talk about manufacturing and how you've been able to find uh, suppliers in Vietnam. Um, My question for you is, are there any missing gaps in that process in Vietnam? And have you had to, like, bring in parts from overseas to to kind of complete the whole process. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, so if I get into a little bit of detail, so Mm -hmm. the first production run had 42% made in Vietnam bikes. Mm -hmm. We're thinking within the next, say, three months, we're going to be up to about 70%. -hmm. And then my target is to get to like 90% made in Vietnam. As in the
0: parts itself or the bike Um, Well, you know, like, so there's
1: 47 components on bike. Right, okay. So 42% of those is... I see, I see. So you're assembling everything here. Yeah. And you're bringing parts in from... Exactly, yeah. So the main parts are still made here, but Mm -hmm. say things like branded components, so like the brakes, right? Maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, Shimano and stuff. We don't use them, but we... They don't make them here, so we can't Mm -hmm. do that. But, you know, we're investing a lot in our manufacturing. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of it, we have acquired the talent to can produce it mm-hmm. it's just making a big investment in molds and you know the non-sexy parts like mm-hmm. that you know mm-hmm. it's uh, manufacturing but yeah you know COVID has brought on all these like huge supply chain issues mm. you know we used to it used to take say two months to produce a part and then it shot up to a year in wow. the space of like a week so our whole world was turned upside down back mm-hmm. in september and We've been, like, massively lucky in a way to be in Vietnam because a lot of the core suppliers here weren't affected Um, because there's not a huge bike industry here and also that COVID didn't affect it as bad. So that's, like, really caused us to double down on Vietnamese manufacturing.
0: Excellent. And has it kind of met your expectations? So have you had any issues with quality control or process? Uh,
1: Like, not so much because it... Requires a lot more involvement. Mm. So basically the production team is becoming one of the largest divisions in Modmo. And so we would have people on the ground in the factories while they're producing to make sure everything's done all right. Uh, You know, the issues we've had had, I would put down to our own fault and like not having created the right standard operating procedures and training their staff how to do it. But in terms of like the abilities, absolutely. The cost is Solid. Um, so it's, it's just a learning curve, and like, yeah, be fully confident that we'll be able to do everything here.
0: Excellent. Will we see a Monmo factory in the future? <laughs> Hopefully, if, if things progress, for sure, we'll see. We'll see. Very likely. Excellent. Um, my my last question for you, Jack, is um, uh, kind of the bike itself as a solution. Um, I don't know too much about biking, to be honest, and, and our listeners may or may not either. Um, I'm sure there are some that are very savvy that are watching this video as well. What kind of challenges are you solving with this solution? Is it is it societal? Is it more functional? Is it maybe you can describe um, the kind of customer that would think about buying this this bike.
1: Yeah, so I guess I originally designed it for myself, right? So living in Ireland, maybe 30 40 minutes from the city and just like hating commuting to work sitting in the traffic. Like uh, I was a big cyclist but Bikes had these kind of core issues that I wanted to address. You know, like cycling to work, you're going to get there and be all sweaty. If you bring a bag on your back, your back's going to be all sweaty and you can't carry so much. And I also had like two bikes stolen within a couple of months. Mm. So these were like some of the things that I wanted to fix. Um, so that's why we yeah, developed the Modmo e-bike, which is obviously electric. We've got a really big battery range that can do like 200 kilometers per charge. It's also removable, so if you're living in a flat, you can take out the battery, plug it in okay. inside. Okay. Um, we did bring a new concept of bikes as well, so it's modular. So we have all these accessories like a basket, trailer, baby seat, like anything like that, and they just clip on, no tools, so make it a lot more adaptable to your lifestyle. If you're going to the supermarket to do grocery shopping, you, know, you clip on a trailer and you can carry anything. Um, so that was it to make a give it a lot more utility than a standard bike. Um, and then yeah, the third part was like making it smart. So step one was building in a Bluetooth and GPS sensor. We've got a Modmo app that will show you, you know, all your routes. If your bike's stolen, it will give you a notification. Mm-hmm. Um shows your yeah, your battery um, battery capacity. And
0: it sounds like a lot of the products you're integrating into this is somehow making it more appealing to a broader base yeah. as well. Because um, I think of myself as a bike, I mean, it's not the most functional for me living in, in where I have in the world, just because um, you know the stealing issue or, or maybe um, where I live is really hot and it just doesn't make sense to bike to work because yeah. I'll show up sweaty or something like that. Um, it's in a way creating its own market, hopefully. Not just tapping these existing ones.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right. It is a different customer base. It Mm -hmm. is like these people living in cities who are just like, and with COVID, obviously Mm -hmm. people who used to use public transport don't want to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to buy a car, an e-bike is a pretty solid choice.
0: Excellent. Yeah. And Um, do you mind sharing like some sales figures, high level, even objectives and maybe what you've done so far in terms of of traction?
1: Yeah. So we did just over a million euro in Mm -hmm. pre-sales last year. Um, just under a thousand bikes were pre ordered. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we're like trying to get through the backlog of them, mm. wrapping up our production. You're afterwards. shipping them out
0: already, though, too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
1: we did our first shipment the day before Tet. Oh, we got excellent. It through customs. Is so it, that has we, it arrived at its destination? Yeah, probably by the time this podcast is live. Oh, excellent. Uh, yeah, so mid March, like towards okay. the end of March, they're going to land cool, in cool, Germany. Cool. Mm. So, like 86% of our sales are in Germany. Mm. Um. Yeah, big customer base there, and Excellent. we just kind of announced uh, we've got four different test ride locations, mm-hmm. aiming to have 40 test ride locations by the end of this year, and um, aiming to produce a little over 4,000 bikes this year as well. So, yeah, um, big big growth. I think um, production is obviously the challenge challenge here, mm-hmm. especially with the supply chain. But mm. pretty confident we'll get there. Yeah.
0: Excellent. We'll hope to see thousands if not tens of thousands of Modbo bikes on the road soon and That's hopefully right. here in vietnam yeah uh jack that kind of wraps up our podcast today uh we're keeping it nice and tidy around 30 35 minutes today so thank you for joining of course for another episode of vietnam innovators uh, before we let you go um do you have any other maybe comments or thoughts you might want to share with our audience about monmo the electric bike uh, maybe a nice little plug for recruitment whatever you'd like yeah let's <laughs> just think of that
1: like we are hiring Um, a lot of engineering, Um, also building up the marketing team here in Vietnam, doing Mm -hmm. some interesting things Um, without going into too much detail, yeah, some uh, videography, writing, um, content creation, stuff, a lot around that. Um, And, yeah, mechanical, electrical, IoT engineers for sure, developers, Android, iOS, yeah. That and sounds like a interested. lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't actually find so many details about the jobs we're hiring for on our website, but mm-hmm. a place like Career builder mm-hmm. that's where we advertise. Mm-hmm. If not, just jobs at modmo.io.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Hit us up there. If you're interesting and like, really the one thing I look for is like, if you're passionate about the product we make, mm-hmm. that's what I want to hear. Tell me your ideas, how you would improve our product and like, yeah, you'll get an interview.
0: Excellent. Cool. So Modmo, it's based here in Ho Chi Minh City hiring for yep. all types of teams. Jack, again, thank you for joining the show, and we hope to welcome you back soon. And good luck to the Monmo team, and and yeah, to the to the many bike riders and future bike riders that are considering your product. Thank you. Cheers.
1: Yeah, thanks very much, and looking yeah, looking forward to being on again next time next year.
0: Take care. Cheers. Vietcetra's Vietnam Innovator Series is only one of many podcasts hosted by the team. We also have Have a Sip hosted by our VP of Content, Thuy Minh, as well as the Vietnamese edition of Vietnam Innovators, hosted by Vietcetra's Chief Operating Officer, Ruby Nguyen. Look out for more podcast production soon from the Vietcetra team. You can also check out the video version of this podcast on our other platforms such as YouTube and Facebook. New episodes are out every week, so don't forget to subscribe to Vietcetra's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube channel for more interesting content. Thanks for listening to another episode of Vietnam Innovators, brought to you by our partners, health tech startup, GeoHealth. They're best known for their doctor at home services, but offer much more than that. If you haven't already, check out their mobile apps on the App Store and Google Play for more, or drop by for a visit to their new smart clinic at M Plaza in Ho Chi Minh City.